Well, good morning, church. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Shannon. I am the leader of the Expression Embers ministry here at Expression Church, and I also help lead the Desire Youth and Young Adults. And um, it's an honor for me to be here once again, bringing you the Word of God today. And it's a goodie. While I was preparing, the Lord has ministered to me a lot while I was preparing, and I know, I know, whether it's for one person or for all of you today, as we prepare our hearts, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cut some hearts today. So get ready. Today, I will be continuing on our four-part Christmas series on Christ, where Dan gave his word last week on Christ our Savior. Put your hand up if you were blessed by that one. Amen. And this week, I'm going to be continuing part two on Christ our King. All right, let's pray again. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. And I pray, God, that you, that as you, as you armor me and as you give me, give me that sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God, that you will use me to soften hearts, to, 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 really, to really minister to your people today and to really touch hearts today, Father God, that we will not, that it will not just be another Sunday service, Father God, but we will leave into the, into the Christmas season, into the new year, brand new people, just that little bit closer to you, Father God. And I pray that you will really bring that revelation that you, Lord Jesus, you are our King, our King of Kings in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So without further ado, let's get into it. Give me a massive amen if Christ is your king. Awesome. Good start. I'm preaching to the right crowd today. So we, in this celebratory season, in this festive season, I don't know about you, but myself, I always got to bring myself into that moment of remembrance on who Christ truly is to us. Because I don't idolize Christmas, but sometimes I can get all caught up in the commercialization of it. You know, all the family, you got the food, you got the songs, you know, Justin Bieber, Mistletoe, Santa Tell Me, Ariana Grande, you got Wham, Shaking Stevens, all these songs. And you got the food again, the free food, all this stuff just, just gets you. Yeah, yeah, Amanda. All this stuff just gets you into the mode of Christmas. But just like communion, which we're going to have at the end of the service, by the way. Just like communion, we need to bring ourselves to that moment of remembrance on why we celebrate what we celebrate and not neglect the reason for the season, which is Christ, our King, being born. So today I'm going to take you on a little journey as to why Jesus Christ is King, Christ being King. What does that mean biblically? And then I'm going to go part two, which is Christ, our King. What does that mean to us as a church, us as believers? And then my last point, Man, I hope and pray that this last point is going to get you dig deep within yourself, analyze yourself, and that is Christ our King. What does that mean to you personally and to myself? So get your notebooks out, church. Get your phones out. If you're like my mom, get your camera out. So get ready to take photos of the screens and never uh, look at them again. (laughs) Because I'm about to bring you the Word of God to Expression Church today, and it's going to be a good one. Okay, so are we ready? Let's do this. Point number one. Got your phones out. Christ our King. What does that mean biblically? Now in Scripture, Christ our King, uh, Jesus is referred to as King many times, several times actually, more commonly as King of the Jews, again, more commonly in the Old Testament. I mean, why was King Herod so so intrigued and so flustered when um, this new Messiah was being born that he sent the three wise men to go search out on who this Messiah is, who this King of the Jews, who's coming to take my throne? And if you can turn your Bible apps or your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, I'm going to read. So I'm reading from the NKJV uh, version, by the way, the actual Bible. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Remember that word, troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. So they said to him, so this is the proof. So now the people are like, you know, it's in the Bible. You know, it's, 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 it's been prophesied that this Messiah is going to come and save us all. You know, we read about it all the time, King Herod. How do you not know this? Verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So why was he so troubled? Because he was threatened by this new king, this new king that was prophesied to come and rule and shepherd his people and to save all the Jews. He was threatened. So King, king Herod was power hungry at this stage where he was, who is this king that's coming to take my throne? And praise God, he did. And now in a worldly sense, the king, the word king holds a very prestigious honor. As we saw with King Charles, was it this year or last year that he became king? This year. Um, king Charles, the amount of publicity, the amount of social media awareness, the amount of uh, word of mouth, my goodness, for about one or two months, it was all about King Charles, King, king Charles. And, this, is, and this, is not, this person was not even Jesus. How much more respect does Christ our King deserve? But this title as King, like I said, holds a lot of honor. And honestly, uh, through the Old Testament prophecies, it gives us an insight. It gives us a preview to who Jesus is was actually who, who Jesus is actually and why he came to this earth as the image of the invisible God to dwell among us imperfect humans. The Old Testament prophecies give us an insight to who Jesus truly is, the king, the king of all the Jews. His reign as king is eternal, even though his time on earth was temporary. And he will remain now and forever as king, seated at the right hand of the Father forever. Psalm 110, King David says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Now, this little passage of gold, before I go on to verses four and five, it foresees, David foresees and prophesies a future king that will be greater than he would ever be. And this king he calls Lord. And then in verses four and five, he says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So what does is, what is these two passages really, really mean? So the future king is not only gonna be king, but also the chief priest. So this is Jesus who was, prophes who was prophesied in this little passage here. This combination in Israel, king and chief priest has never been seen before, before and will never ever be seen outside the parameters of Jesus Christ, our king and chief priest. So what does this all mean? Why is Christ king biblically? It's because in Jesus, the Jews find their perfect fulfillment of a king and priest. Jesus not only fulfills the Old Testament prophecies, it was prophesied countless times in scriptures by the prophets that God will send a king to save the Jews from all their sin and give them salvation. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king 
is coming to you. Your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I love that verse because it shows the, the character of our king. In the world today, you see your king, uh, King Charles, you know, riding on his cha- in his chariot, you know, all crowned up, so much money on him, so much jewel on him. But this is my king. This is, your, this is their king that we're talking about. Our king who was lowly and riding on a donkey, who inhabits eternity, came down to us. It says here, he is just in having salvation to save his people out of their hearts of love and bring them salvation. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, it again prophesied. If you're a Christian, you should know this. <laughs> Off by heart, we sing this all the time. It's clear as song. <laughs> For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen? So that is our King. Our King Jesus, King Jesus fulfills prophecy and also is the perfect king and priest that the Jews never had. Unlike worldly kings, Jesus' reign is eternal, and unlike worldly priests, Jesus has no sin. He is our king. He is the king of kings. Now, moving on to my next point, what does Christ being king mean to us as believers, us as a church, Expression Church, us as a worldwide church? And the simple answer, church, the fast answer is Christ being king of your life, if he is truly king of your life, it means that he is the ruler of your life. He rules. If you, if you really mean it with all your heart that Jesus is my king, Jesus is my Lord, then you will allow him to rule over you. You will deny yourself the cost of discipleship, deny yourself, deny your flesh, and you will allow him to rule over your life. Not only that, but if you have made Christ truly your king of your life and Lord of your life, then by grace through faith, you have received the gift of salvation. Amen? Amen. And this is, and we need to rejoice for this church. You know, as a, as a Christian who has been a Christian for 22 and a half years now, going to church every single Sunday, even I can uh, miss the excitement of when I die, I will not die. I will live because my king came lowly and riding on a donkey with salvation so that I can receive that gift. We all have that gift, church. The Bible says in Luke, I think in Luke, it says, do not rejoice because the um, spirits are subject to you. What does that mean? Do not rejoice because of all these supernatural gifts that you have been given by the Holy Spirit. But it says rejoice because your name has been written in heaven. Your king came to you and has given you eternal life. So we need to rejoice. We need to hold that um, rejoicing and never lose that joy that whatever happens on this earth, it does not compare to the joy that we will receive because our king came and has given us salvation. So the short answer, the fast answer is salvation. We have eternal life and we will see that eternal life lived now. Not when, we're, not when we die, but we will see our eternal, the, the eternal life being lived now if Christ is truly your king. But I want to go deeper. I don't want to just go surface level. I don't want to uh, just go, what does it mean? But I want to go, what does it look like to really have Christ your king? And honestly, church, it looks like this. Like, our, like, like, we were, like we were singing in our last song, that we bow down at the throne of God. And it looks like this. And all you do as you work, as you, in your hobbies, in, your, in, your, in the supermarket, whatever you're doing, this is, this is the position you take, the metaphorical position, all literal, that you take when Christ is your king. Full submission. 
full submission to your king, full respect to your king, that it's just, it's just all about your king. It is never, ever about you. It is all about pleasing the Lord. It is all about pleasing your king if he is truly your king. That's what it looks like. First thing in an earthly setting is respect. You know, if you meet King Charles, you're not gonna go up to him, say, sup, Charlie, how's it going? You know, pour yourself a glass of wine and say, cheers, big ears. You're not gonna do that with King Charles. If you know, you know. <laughs> you're not gonna do that with King Charles. And, and how much more should we show respect to our king? Sometimes we can neglect, you know, our Christ, our God is with us forever. And sometimes we can neglect to show respect to our king. And this is the motive. This is the motive due to the king. Our king is to be honored. Our king is to be respected. How else do we treat a said king? We submit to their laws and orders. We obey the king. We serve the king. We celebrate the king. Like we're doing now in Christmas, we're celebrating our king being born. Now, all these characteristics, the respect, the submission, the service, the celebration, the obedience, to me, as I was preparing, all boils down to a heart of honor. And now honor, you see, honor is not a head thing. Honor is not a head thing. And I know it sounds cliche, but honor is, is the fruit of what is in your heart. When you really honor someone, it is the fruit of what is in your heart. So what does it look like and mean to have Christ as truly your king, not a lip service? It looks like living a life consistently every single day, committing your life to Christ and living a life of honor. And I was reading this, I was, I was watching this video uh, a couple of weeks ago or however long ago, and it was, this guy was talking about the difference between obedience and honor. And obedience is super important. You need to obey God. And obedience also comes out of a heart of love. But sometimes you can obey and not do it out of a heart of love. When someone tells you to do something, you can, oh, got to go sweep the cafe again, Pastor Peter, you know, during internship. That was me. Got to go vacuum the, <laughs> the auditorium again. But I learned from that. I'm a better man for it. <laughs> um, and you can sometimes obey with the wrong heart. So I'm not, I'm not discrediting obedience at all. But what he was talking about, obedience is receiving instruction from someone and then doing the instruction, obeying the instruction. And then he goes on to say that honor is obedience without the instruction. I'm gonna say that again. Honor is obedience without the instruction. It's an overflow of what is in your heart to your king. And I'm gonna talk about King David today. I know Dan preached about King David last week, but when I was talking about honor, when I was meditating on honor, I just always, it always brought me back to King David. And King David, one of the many mighty men of God, and from a worldly setting, we should be condemning him, man. He was, he was struggled with lust. He was jealous. He was coveting. He murdered someone. He committed adultery. We, we would be throwing so many stones at him if he was here today. You give me that first stone, I'll fully go baseball throw at him. <laughs> but that's just what we do as humans. You know, we see, we see the bad in people, but God saw the heart. And even in the midst of all his sin, all his disobedience, and there were a lot, there were a lot of times, if you, read, if you read the Old Testament, God still said, this man right here is a man after my own heart. After all, all the adultery, he, I mean, Dan spoke about, I'm not gonna speak about it again, all the, the adultery, the, the, the lust, the coveting, the murder, all of that, God was like, this guy honors me, this guy loves me, and he wants to serve me, he wants to do the right thing. And there, I want to talk about um, a time in Scripture where I believe that 
King David honored the Lord. And there were many times, but if you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 10 to 16, I'm going to start reading. It will be on your screens as well. It says, he arose. Now this is one of King David's men. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. And his hand stuck to the sword. Now this is King David's men who honored and loved their king, fought so hard that the hand was stuck to their sword. Is the sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God, stuck to your hand because of your love and honor for your king? The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Amen. And the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from Philistine but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said, with, David said with what? Longing. <laughs> David said with longing, remember that um, verb, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three men broke through the camp of the Philistines, again, risking their lives, breaking through the camp of the Philistines, laying down their life potentially to serve their king and took, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. Now, this is after King David experienced a victory. It says in verse 12, so the Lord brought about a great victory. And King David was not commanded by God to pour the water out as an offering at all, whatsoever. But I believe, this is my revelation, by the way, I believe that because of the great victory, King David chooses to deny his own flesh and to not proceed after his longing, but he chose to pour out the water as an offering and as a sign of honor to the Lord who brought about that great victory. And I'm here to tell you now, church, that you have been given a great victory. Every single day you wake up, that's a victory from the Lord. Like I said, eternal life needs to be lived today. Not, not in five years' time, not when I'm ready, not when life gets a little bit easier. Like eternal life is meant to be lived today. And your Lord, your King has brought you a great victory today. How are you honoring your Lord? How are you honoring your King? Even in the midst of this, your disobedience, because we all fail. We all fail. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to um, hype up King David because of all the sin. You know, all the sin he did was bad. But we all fall, you and me, sometimes big, sometimes small. But how are you honoring your King? If you really honor king, you will always rise up when you unintentionally and ignorantly fall and approach your king with that contrite heart and repent. And all this comes from that root of honor. All of this, the repentful heart, the contrite heart, the humble spirit comes from that root of honor to your king. And you know what the cool thing is? Our king, like I said, comes down to us, meets us in our mess. Our king leaves his throne, but still possessing his throne, to come and meet us in our mess. Isaiah 57, 15. This is, this is a banger. This is, this is a great verse. 
Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. That is your king. He is high and lofty. He inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the, holy, in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Not I, dwell in the high, um, not I dwell in the high and holy place and I go meet that person down there in their sinful dark place. No, he meets them with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. To revive, I love that word, revive, bring life. Your king brings life into you, church. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Is your heart humble? Is your heart contrite before your Lord today? Or is your heart all hard, filled with pride and conceit and, um, and all about me, 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 me? Because the Bible says in Isaiah that he dwells with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. So if you possess that contrite and humble spirit, you dwell in that high and holy place with your Lord, with your King. And he breathes life. He revives you. He, he, he breathes life into you. Our king is a life breather. Eternal life breather. A heart of humility when running to your king is honoring God because you come to that place of full, full, full hungry and full surrender. Yes, Amanda, exactly. You come to that place of full surrender being like, Lord, God, you are all that I need and all that I ever, ever want. Everything else is just an overflow that I need to be a good steward with. And you know what, church, moving on to my next point is, is, is the question that the Lord, amongst the many, many questions the Lord has been asking me, um, this is another big one he's been asking me. Because I feel for the last, since July last year, I've been in my little season, um, and it's been, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a very up and down roller coaster season for me since for the last 17, 16, 17 months. And I really felt like the Lord has been really refining my faith, you know, putting, putting the gold into the fire seven times and really, you know, with this pickaxe, picking off all the dirty parts so that he can grow the good um, in me. And I'm rejoicing because I know, I know the man that I'm going to be. You know, I see the man that I'm going to be for God. But in this season, in this season, we, he's been asking me, am I still your king? Whether you're on the mountaintop or the valley, because both are just as dangerous as each other. Because the mountaintop, you're going to be, uh, you don't need God. You forget about God. You tend to not need God. You tend to forget about God. That's what you think. And in the valley, you blame God. You're angry at God. And so what Christ has been asking me and what I want to ask you, church, today is Christ, our King, what does that mean to you? Who is Christ your King? Is Christ even your king? Or I, is, is it just like two weeks ago, the unmasking period, where you've got that mask on your, um, on your face and you're just saying Christ is my king, you know, king of kings, Lord of lords. You sing it, but you don't really mean it. You're not worshiping in spirit and in truth. You're not, you're not an impact team. You're not doing sound in spirit and in truth, but you're doing it as, a, as just a religious movement. Is Christ truly your king? Or are you, or are you submitting? Are you, are, you, are you bowing down to something else? Your family, your your work, your you know your busyness. You know we can bow down and idolize our busyness. Is Christ truly your King? Whatever season you're going through, I don't know what you're going through right now, but is Christ your King in that season? Have you fully sub submitted your whole life to Him? Have you fully asked Him to rule over the season that you're in, rule over your life in this position today? 
where you are at? Do you trust him with your whole life? That is the question I want to ask you today. You know, I've talked about Christ our King. What does it mean biblically? Which is all well and good. Christ our King, what does it mean as a church? Eternal life, rejoice, amen, hallelujah. Amen. But today, right now, eternal life starts today. What does that mean to you? I'm going to ask it again, church. What does Christ being King mean to you? Are you living that life of honor? of intentionality to Christ that every single day you wake up, Lord, you have your way in me. And all I do, you have your way in me, Lord God. What does your relationship with Christ look like, Christ your King look like? How do you treat Christ your King? Just like a king should be treated, I will honor you, I will serve you, I will respect you, I will abide by your laws and statutes because of my reverence towards you, my King because of my fear towards you, Lord. You know, I've been praying that prayer. Most days, church, I've been praying that prayer. I'm like, I pray so many prayers, but these are the prayers that I, I pray. It's, it's, Lord, at whatever cost, I must know you more. Every time I go to bed, I'm like, Lord, at whatever cost, I must know you more. Whatever you need to take, whatever you need to bring in, I must know you more. Teach me, Lord, to love you with all of my heart, soul, body, mind, strength, because that is supernatural. I can't love God the way he wants me to love him by my own flesh. I need the Lord to teach me. I ask the Lord, help me to fear you, Lord, more than anything in this world. I want to fear you. I want to respect you. I want to revere you all the days of my life, but not by might, not by power. I'm not strong enough. It is by his spirit every single day. Are you willing to carry your cross for your king? to die to yourself every day for Christ, your King. I'm challenging you today, church. I know it's two weeks or a week before Christmas, but I wanna challenge you. Is Christ truly your King? Are you willing to, to, to the cost of discipleship, Jesus talks about, de deny himself. Deny yourself every single day and follow Jesus. Could the worship team please come up, please? And I wanna conclude with this. And now what brings us to that place of honor? I've talked, about, I've talked a lot about honor. I've talked about a lot about how do we treat our king. But what brings us to this place of honor? How do we come to this place of honor? And we come to this place through the supernatural revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. The supernatural revelation. It is supernatural. God gives faith, a measure of faith to each person. So how do we come to this place? It's a supernatural revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross which enables us to have the right relationship with God through Christ, our King. Like I said again, it's very easy to sing some words and Elijah's testimony was amazing. Hands up if you were blessed by that. That was amazing. Let's give a round of applause to Elijah. And we all have a testimony today. We all have masks that we've either taken off or it's half off or it's fully off and we're rejoicing. We're living life in abundance. Hallelujah. But... You know, it's very easy to sing those words on the screen and say it out loud with a mask on your face, but are you worshiping again out of the heart of honor? Do you submit to his ways, obey him? Where he says, jump, you say, how high? Where he says, run, you say, how far, Lord? Now, what does it mean to us as believers, but what does it look like to us as believers? How do we see the fruit in us if Christ is truly our King? Do you honor Jesus with your whole life and body, offering it to him as a living sacrifice, holy and just? Or do you just honor him with your life and not your body or vice versa? Do you honor him with your body, but your spiritual life is obese, about to have a heart attack? No? Yeah, spiritual life, yeah. Do you respect and honor your king with all your being? 
with every, with every bone and cell and every bit of your body and life, you're honoring your king. That's my challenge to you, church. And Deuteronomy 10, 12 says, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. To serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. And I was, as I was preparing, I really felt that, that today will be a day of recommitment for some of us. Where we, where we stop bowing down to our other kings, we stop bowing down to our fears, our pride, um, we stop bowing down to our deception and we bow down to our rightful King of Kings, our Lord Jesus, who deserves that. You know, our King came down to build us, a King comes to build us kingdom. And our King came down in our mess, humbly poor so that we can be rich to build his kingdom. And if you're part of that kingdom, are you building that kingdom with your King? This is what the Lord requires of you, church. Deuteronomy 10, 12, you have been given a king and through Christ your king, you have been redeemed, justified through the work done on the cross. You are free. You have by grace through faith received salvation. Now fear the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. Serve the Lord your God. Serve your king. Carry the cross, even though it might be super, super, super heavy sometimes. Got to carry your cross. Walk in all his ways, submit to him and follow him. Serve your king with all your heart. And again, this is not by might, not by power, but this is by the supernatural power of God that you will live a life that is pleasing and honoring to God. Is Jesus truly your king, church? And as we pray, I'm um, saying, Here I am to worship. I want you to take that metaphorical position of bowing down in every aspect of your life to your king. Whether you want to literally come and do that, feel free to as a sign to your, to your king. But I want you to really, really, really sing these words and, and whether you can or can't sing, whatever, you, I want you to really shout and sing these words in spirit and in truth, knowing, Lord, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down and here I am to say that you are God. Let's pray. Eh? Heavenly Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your word today, Father God. I thank you that it's touched at least one, if not many hearts today. And whoever you had this word for God, I pray that they will leave the service today a better person for it. No matter, no matter how deep the cutting gets, no matter how saw how how painful the discipline and that cutting got God Father God I pray that you will remind them that you are their healer and that joy comes in the morning that Romans 8 to 8 says that for all things work for the good of those who love him who have been called to his purpose and that is your promise God that is your promise and your word we thank you that you sent us your only begotten son Jesus Christ as king who is just and having salvation. Hallelujah. Who is just and having salvation. Hallelujah. Come on. 
He has salvation. We have salvation. I thank you for the free gift of salvation that we are redeemed, that we are made holy, that we are made righteous through the sacrifice of our King. And so Lord, I pray that you will give us that supernatural revelation of who Christ our King truly is to us. Give us that supernatural revelation of the cross of Christ. And in all areas of our life, may we have that metaphorical attitude and literal of bowing down in full submission, releasing all control to you, God. I pray that you will minister today as you've ministered to me and you will draw us closer to you and more intimate with you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Can we please stand, church, and worship God?